0: Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Theology in the Rod. This is going to be a different sort of episode. I'm going to try something out that um, debated whether I should do this or not. But I talked to my daughter, Josie, and she's like, yeah, let's go for it. So, uh, Josie is my third daughter. She's 15 years old. She always has a lot of really, really good, interesting, challenging theological and biblical questions. And usually, about once every maybe two weeks, we We do this thing where we go to um, a local restaurant, we get some chips and salsa, and uh, we go through her list of questions. And it's one of the most challenging and funnest parts of my relationship with Josie. And so I said, hey, would you ever want to do that on the podcast? (laughs) She's like, no. But then she's like, maybe. And she's like, yeah, let's do it. Let's try it out. So that's what you're going to listen to it's in the morning we actually went and got some chips and salsa brought it down into my basement and we just did our little time together and hit record so honestly i thought she was going to be nervous she didn't seem nervous at all and i would say the first like 20 minutes i felt more nervous (laughs) i don't know why i was like oh my gosh we're like recording this conversation so anyway i hope you enjoy this conversation uh i always enjoy hanging out with josie and uh, maybe you will too in the next couple seconds Please welcome to the show for the first time, the one and only Josie Sprinkle.
1: What's up, guys? Welcome back to the vlog. Go ahead and smash that like (laughs) button and click that subscribe button. If you like the video, please comment in the thing
0: below. (laughs) It's not a (laughs) vlog. It's a (laughs) vlog. A vlog or blog? Back to the vlog. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we are here in my basement. Um, we do have chips and salsa, and um, it. What time is it? Like nine in the morning. It's
1: literally nine
0: thirty. Nine thirty in the morning. Chips and salsa goes good any time of the day, and because we have chips and salsa in my basement, my dog came down and joined us. Because wherever there's food, there's my dog. So, Tank, welcome to the podcast.
1: Welcome back to the vlog, Tank.
0: Welcome back to the vlog, Tank. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Josie, uh, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? How old are you? I am fifteen. 15 yes. and what's your favorite color? <laughs> I don't know. Yellow. Yellow? Why yeah. yellow? Who likes Kinda yellow? Kind of cowardly. <laughs> that is a coward. No, green. Isn't green the is yellow a cowardly color? Well, Dwight, according to Dwight, <laughs> it's cowardly. <laughs> All right, so how many questions you got over there?
1: I have a long list. Really? It's
0: been a few weeks I think it's been since it. we met, a few so weeks. It's been a minute. Yeah. Since we had our meeting. Who called Did we call it a meeting? We're <laughs>
1: yeah, <our get> together.
0: <laughs> All right. You want to start us off with a question? Okay, let's do it. All right. All right. And this is just a reminder. This is totally, I have no clue what she's going to ask. Oh, yeah. So, Never um, told me. We'll see how this goes.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: You're starting off with a passage?
1: Yep. All right. Weird. <laughs> okay, class. Fl- flip to 1 Corinthians seven sixteen. 7, okay.
0: 16. Okay. Oh, no. Okay.
1: Okay, it says, yeah. <laughs> "Don't you wives realize that your husbands might be saved because of you, and don't you husbands realize that your wi- wives might be saved because of you?" Does this mean that a Christian is allowed to get married to a non-Christian because, like, they might like save them throughout the marriage, or?
0: Okay, that's a good question. So, um, this is so First Corinthians seven. The whole chapter is all about like marriage and singleness, and if you're married to a non-believer, what do you do, and um, what if you're then divorced or? you know, or widowed. So you get married. Like, it's all about marriage. The whole chapter is all about different, you know, things about what to do with different states, statuses, statuses of marriage or not married, married or non-married. So, um, no, I don't think he's, I don't think Paul's telling people they should marry a non-believer. I think he's instructing people who are already married to a non-Christian. So for instance, like if it, like in that world, Christianity was brand new. And so people were, you know, coming into the faith as adults. And there's a number of people that maybe one spouse would have became a Christian while the other wasn't a Christian. So I think that's the question that Paul's trying to address here. People are like, well, wait a minute, I became a Christian, but my spouse isn't a Christian. Should I leave my non-Christian spouse? And Paul's like, no, no, you don't. Just because your spouse isn't a believer, don't divorce that person. And then that's why he gives this statement here. Like, you know, you he might actually get saved through you. So stay in the relationship because he might or he or she might become mm-hmm. a Christian through, through your...
1: So, yeah. You know. So you don't believe that a Christian can't... Like you believe a Christian can't get married to a non-Christian?
0: I don't think that the Bible encourages a Christian to marry a non-Christian, no. Um, mm-hmm. And this, I mean, this is honestly all throughout the Old Testament. This is like pretty clear all throughout the Old Testament that God's like telling the, the at that time, the, the Israelites not to marry. He, they, he would often say like, don't marry foreign women. And, mm-hmm. but that's not, it's not like, it's not the ethnicity. That's the problem. In fact, we see marriages where it was between a foreign person and a, and an Israelite. Um, but foreign people outside of Israel tip almost always were like, they worship pagan gods. So it was like, don't intermarry with other people of other religions. Because that's just going to, typically it's going to like work against you. So we have that all throughout the Old Testament. It, it, you don't see as many commands like that in the New Testament, but you do see statements that kind of reflect that same mindset, you know? Okay. Yeah. Like don't be unequally yoked with a non-believer could, you know, be related to that command in the Old Testament. Yeah, it's all throughout the Old Testament. It's it's one of the, I would say, one of the most pervasive commands in the old testament is don't marry somebody of a different religion
1: yeah well like what about someone who's like on the like 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 who's not a different he's not a different or not he? they're not a different like religion they're like whatever i just like don't believe in anything or i don't know what they believe in like are you still like are you still like do not marry that person because there's it's so easy that you could influence them and yeah like i know like they can influence you but like they're like they have no religion
0: yeah yeah that's a good question because in the old Testament it is specifically somebody that has a different religion. So you're saying like, what if they're just an atheist? Yeah. I I think it would still, I think the principle would still apply. I mean, think about even if you ended up having kids, then all of a sudden like one parent doesn't even believe in God one does like that can be really confusing for the kid, especially if, even if, even if um, let's just say for you, even if like your spouse was an atheist and like, no, no, let's get married. And, and, it'll totally be fine. Like you can totally raise the kids in the faith and I'm totally fine with that. You know, you may say that at the beginning, you don't know like two, three, four, five, 10 years down the road, you know, if he's going to be, you know, if he's actually going to let you raise him in the faith. And I mean, honestly, best case scenario is for a kid to have both parents, both Christians, you know, raising them in the faith like that, that would be the absolute best for your kids. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I think the same principle would apply. I mean, yeah. Nice. Does that make sense? Yep. Did that that work? Yeah, that worked. (laughs) one for one. (laughs)
1: Correct. All right. Does God love those who turn away from him and sin? Like who like reject him? And I have a follow-up question after this. Okay.
0: Mm. What do you think?
1: (laughs) I'm asking. What do you believe? I have more questions after this. Okay.
0: Um, I think when we talk about God's love for people it's not really, there's no like one size fits all for that. Like there is one general sense in which God loves all of his creation. But I do think there's a particular sense in which God loves those who are submitting to the Lordship of Christ and are trying to follow him and become like Jesus. Like I think there is a a particular kind of love that God has for that person. Like does God love, for instance, you, um, Let's just say, does God love you just the same as he loves Hitler? Uh, I, I would feel like, I don't...
1: But we're all his children, aren't we?
0: Yes. Again, so in that general sense, God loves all people created in his image in a general sense. But I do think that his love for you will is different in kind and maybe even in scope than his love for Hitler. That sounds almost weird to even say his love, you know. Because um, I do think that God will judge... Severely, people mm-hmm. like Hitler so and, and other people that do um incredibly wicked things and actually are harming and hurting God's image bearers you know mm-hmm. it's similar to me like I do I love all are we called to love our enemy our neighbor yes, mm-hmm. but if somebody came in and like slit your throat and killed mm-hmm. our whole family, is my love for that person exactly the same as my love for you, even though you're dead at that point but like I mean well no it's it's a Yes, on a general level, I'm, I I love all people, but that person also harmed an innocent person created in God's image. Mm-hmm. So there is also a a justice that I want to be done for mm-hmm. that person. You know,
1: but I feel like for God it's different.
0: Yeah, how so? Well, I mean,
1: he's like his he's God. Like he he. I feel like I feel like he has the same love for all of us. Like I, even though I I'm like a believer, I'm like I feel like mm-hmm. I'm just as as much as his child as. Hitler is because he, he made us both. Like he like,
0: I see, I don't even, th- the Bible does rever- reserve, like even when you use the term child, like mm-hmm. God does refer to people who follow him as part of his family, part of his children. Like, um, what is it in first, uh, once I go live on the podcast and <laughs> also I forget <laughs> all my even. verses, but there's a verse where it talks about like, you know, becoming the children of God through Jesus. Um, like it doesn't just say, Oh, if you're human, you're a child of God. It's like, You can become a child of God through Jesus. 1 John 3.1, look at how great a love the Father has given us so that we should be called God's children. He's not just talking about all people here. He's talking about believers. I mean, he goes on to say, the reason the world does not know us, his children, is that it didn't know him. Um, Dear friends, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet been revealed. So, I mean, he's talking about, the the distinct status of believers as being God's children. Again, not because we're, we did anything like better. It's not like we worked our way up there. it's but we believe in Jesus and through his shed blood, we are able to be forgiven and be called God's children. So, so to to go back to my earlier point, like I I do think there's a general love God has for all people, but a, a particular love or status that he gives to people that follow Christ. Does that, what do you think?
1: I feel like that's, you don't
0: have to. You don't have
1: to. I don't no, no, <laughs> <You can, okay. laughs> Well, just because I feel like, like we we always, like we're saying like like I feel like the thing is like Jesus loves you, and like I, like what what we say to like tell people is like, like Jesus loves you, and like Jesus like are we saying like Jesus does not love non Christians as much as he loves Christians? I think that's what you just yeah. said, but
0: I, I think yeah, that's good. Because um, he,
1: he but you're saying mm-hmm. he still loves them, but just not as yeah. much.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I want to say use it in terms of like quantity or Mm -hmm. um, not as much, um, but, but it's a different kind of, it's a different kind of love. Um, Again, if I, if I turned to you and said, I I love you. And then I turned to somebody who, for instance, just punched you in the face and Mm -hmm. said, I love you. Is it the exact same kind of love? I mean, I, I don't, I think those are one is a general love. Another is a more particular love. Trying to think of another way to describe it.
1: Well, because I feel like Is that, well, yeah. I mean, God god made everyone here. Mm-hmm. But you didn't make the person who punched me, you know. Like that's that's yeah. a weird way of saying, but like you know what I'm saying? Like like
0: So because he's creator, he has
1: And because he like he knitted us together in his our mother's womb or whatever, like like he like actually like, like created us and like
0: yeah
1: I like put in, spent time and like love yeah making us.
0: Mm. Let's table this for a little bit. I, yeah, I'm not sure what okay. else. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a good. No, it's good. Okay.
1: okay. First Timothy 2, 11 and 13, through 13th See, I feel like a lot of people know this verse, but it says, Women should learn quietly and submissively. I do not let women teach men or have authority over them. Let them listen quietly. For God made Adam first and, also, and, and afterward he made Eve. How can God say this and then also say that we're all equal?
0: <laughs> um, first of all, does this say woman or women? Plural, plural.
1: Woman.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> the way you said a woman. <laughs> okay. I do not allow woman to teach you. <laughs> I don't know.
1: Okay. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> there's, a, there's a passage in John two that when they're at the wedding at Cana, do you remember that when they go to the wedding no. and Jesus creates like a gazillion gallons of wine, Oh yeah. water into wine. And like his mom comes up and is talking to him, and he's like, "Woman," <laughs> like, like, in the Greek, it actually says that, but it's, it's not as a, it's not as, it's not as forthright as like in the English, "woman." Anyway, oh, I call um, someone woman. <laughs> okay, so um, do you know that this passage is what I'm on sabbatical actually researching? Yes. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> so I wa- I almost want to say like. I'll come back in three years and let you know the right answer to that yeah. question. But so um, first of all, I think when we talk about it's highly debated whether this verse is applying to all women and men in every church of every time. Like there's uh, a lot of people who think that Paul is addressing a certain situation going on in Ephesus, which is where Timothy is pastoring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it could be that he's, t- he's talking about, specific kinds of women in a specific place that were sort of like dominating men. And Paul's like, no, let's, let's, let's not do that. That's not right. You know? So that's one way to read the passage, but let's just say, let's just take it the other way of like, no, this is applying to all people. Mm -hmm. Does it mean women are not equal to men if they are not allowed to teach or exercise authority over men? I, I, I don't, a lot of people would say that if, if women are not, allowed to do everything in the church, any kind of leadership role in the church that men do, if they're not allowed, then that means they're not being treated as equal. I I guess the one problem I have with that reasoning is, does the Bible say that like teachers are above non-teachers? Does it say that leaders are supposed to be higher in status over non-leaders? Like many other passages in the New Testament say that to be a leader is to be a, a one who serves, one who doesn't lord it over others, one who washes people's feet, you know? Mm-hmm. So it seems that those sort of hierarchical structures of leader, non-leader, teacher, non-teacher, mm-hmm. that was widespread in the ancient world and today, right? I think that the Bible kind of levels the playing field so that, so that even if there were certain roles for men and certain roles for women in the church that doesn't mean that those different roles would mean that somebody else who's not in that role is not equal to them. Yeah, Does but, that make sense?
1: Yes, but oh. all but it's like is there anything that women can do that men are not woman. allowed to do?
0: <laughs> I'm just like, how am I supposed to say it? Women? Women.
1: Women, is there anything, <laughs> is there anything that women are allowed to do that men are like oh, okay. that you're like men can Like do. is it ever
0: flipped around? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Cuz like it, you're saying like Yeah is teaching like a high, like higher, whatever. It's like, I mean, like maybe, maybe no, but then what is, what,
0: what can't men do? Right, 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 right. No, it's good. Um, give birth. (laughs) Okay. But that's like, (laughs) (laughs) sometimes, no, but I mean, I think that that giving birth to children is one of the most unique and powerful ways in which humans reflect God, like God as creator creates life. And he has selected women to be the the most clearest mirror to that activity of God by giving birth to children. And I know in our society, it's looked down upon because I, I think the whole thing's just kind of flipped around. Mm-hmm. Like we end up using male uh, behaviors and stuff as like the standard. And it's like, okay, well, only women give birth to children. And it's like, sometimes that's looked down upon as being Mm -hmm. demeaning because it's like you have this male standard of, oh no, because it's a female only thing, therefore it's, you know, looked down upon. And then people are like, you know, women are more than just, you know, giving birth to children. Well, I agree with that obviously, but like, let's not downplay one of the most amazing miraculous things that God has entrusted to half of humanity, women only. So yeah, but it's a little bit off the topic because you're talking about like, not biological functions, but like, you know, roles in society. And I I mean, I think the answer would be no. Like, I think that within the, within the church, uh, again, assuming, I'm not even saying this is the right way to read this passage. Okay. again, Um, But it it would be men can serve in all areas. Women can only serve in certain areas. Does that, and that sounds, that sounds like totally like it's not equal then. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Do you not find that? I,
0: well, um, I don't think it has to be, concluded that women are therefore not, depends on what you mean by equal too like equal in value. Well, no, I, I I don't think that would mean that women aren't equal in value because again, I don't think just leaders have higher value than, than non-leaders according to a Christian worldview. Again, leaders are are servants. They watch over the spiritual direction of the church. Well, however you want to frame, you know, leadership, but I think the Bible just does not really elevate leaders in this kind of prestigious role so that if you're a leader, you have a higher status or you're better than or more powerful than, or the church is, you know, um, way more dependent upon leaders. Like, I just don't think the Bible talks about leaders in such glowing terms like that. But, um,
1: yeah. so equal,
0: okay. yeah, it, it, it does depend on what you mean by equal. I yeah. yeah.
1: I equal and privilege. I guess.
0: Pri- yeah? yeah. Cause
1: I mean, it, I mean, like you just said, yeah. men can do, what, what do you say
0: men can do there, there? There's no, there's nothing closed off for men yeah. in the church, but there are certain things closed off for women.
1: But how <laughs> women. do you not find that? That's not like,
0: <laughs> I again, I'm not even saying I'm saying okay. like, <laughs> yeah, in one sense it's not equal because it's, mm-hmm. pe- it's by definition, certain things are not available to women in the church. Um, mm-hmm. But I wouldn't want to say it's, it's, um, it means women are less, less valued, less necessary, less less gifted, less whatever. Um, You're saying that? No, I'm saying accord oh. I'm saying it, it uh, wouldn't necessarily mean that. Oh, 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 So there is an inequality because certain church roles would be off limits for women, but that wouldn't mean that they're any less valuable. Again, going back to the giving birth analogy, like, <laughs> does that mean men and women aren't equal because women? do one of the most divine like things that humans are doing well yeah That that's in a sense it's unequal because there's certain things men can never do but it's not unequal in the sense that that makes women more valuable than men we are both valued in the eyes of god even if we're given different roles in society okay so it really depends on what you mean by equal i think
1: okay yeah, yeah. all right
0: is that <laughs>
1: that makes sense? <laughs> I'll,
0: but I'll tell you the right answer in four years. Okay, sounds
1: question. good. I'll read your book. <laughs> okay. First Samuel sixteen. Let's
0: see. That the choosing of David?
1: Yes, it is the the choosing of David. In verse two, it says, um, but Samuel well, I mean, you kind of just like know the whole passage. Yeah, do yeah. you know? Okay. Yeah. But it says, But uh, but Samuel asks, How do I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me and God said, Take a heifer with you. The Lord replied, And say that you have come to make a sacrifice of the Lord. So, like, he was going to choose, you know, like, choose the king. But God said, mm-hmm. Just say, just say that, that you're making a sacrifice for the Lord. Isn't, is that not, like, is, is God giving a, <laughs> Samuel a reason to lie? Wait, is this
0: uh, chapter 16? Wait, yeah. Lord said, how long are you
1: going to because he's like, he he said that Saul's going to kill him if he finds out that he's choosing uh, the new king. That's what you mean. But God's like, well, just say this. Is that not like <laughs> God giving him a reason to like to lie?
0: Well, I, he is going to actually make the sacrifice. Yeah, but um, that's not what he's
1: there to do. He's not going yeah. there to make the sacrifice.
0: That's interesting. I never thought about it like that. Um, well, I think we would have to start with the assumption that God's not, well... Let's not start with any assumptions. Let's yeah. just look at the passage. <laughs> well, I—I I, I mean, I technically he—I mean, he does he does give the sacrifice, and he invites Jesse to sacrifice with him. I don't think it's necessarily a lie if you don't tell Saul everything that you're doing at that point. Like, um, I mean, the whole thing is a, like in the context, you know, Saul's king. God has now rejected Saul, even though he's still going to be technically king over the country. He's going to be king all the way up until he dies in chapter 31, the end of the book. And yet we have this private anointing of David as the one who will end up becoming the next king. So just because God is sort of helping Samuel go behind Saul's back and anointing David, I don't think that's necessarily a lie. Um, Isn't like not
1: telling the full truth a form of a lie?
0: <laughs> is that what we told you?
1: Well, I mean, kind of.
0: <laughs> for you, <laughs> I'm yes. Just for you, yes. For for Samuel, no. For Sam- okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I wonder if it's also, you know, Saul is a wicked king. David is God's anointed. Um, well, you have an example of um, Rahab in Joshua uh, line when people, came, she, she, sorry, the Israelites were going in to conquer the land and then we had a couple, some Hebrew spies that went in and Rahab took them into their home and then people came to her house and were like, dude, are you hiding, you know, some Hebrews here? And she said, no, she like, she lied to the people. Mm-hmm. And then later in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 11, she's like commended for that. Like in faith, she lied basically. Yeah. You know, So is there so, such thing as... Like, or, or you have examples in, in during the Holocaust of people hiding Jews so they wouldn't be killed and mm-hmm. um, they would lie to the authorities. So, yeah, I, I mean, that, this this is a big ethical kind of debate. Like, is it is there ever a time for the lesser of two evils? Like, yeah. lying's wrong, but there might be certain circumstances where lying, given the other options, is actually the greater mm-hmm. good or lesser of the oh, two evils. Is there evils? such
1: thing as righteous lying?
0: <laughs> I think, I mean, again, Ray, Rahab... It, Pretty clearly says she lied and was commended for it. Mm. So, um, yeah, I'm down with that.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, well, well. well man, <laughs> I can say my line's righteous. <laughs> but not until you're 18 and out of the house.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> you're not allowed to do the righteous line.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. There are four passages. I don't know if... Do you want me to read them off to you?
0: Just read the question and then we'll... Okay. Um, yeah.
1: Well, because they're all about how God send, sends like harmful spirits yeah. and stuff. Yeah. How can a good God have power over evil spirits?
0: Okay. So you have one in uh, 1 Kings 22. You have one in, uh, well, 1 Samuel 16. 1 Samuel
1: 16, 14, yeah. 1 Samuel 18, 10, 1 Samuel nineteen, nine. and Judges nine, twenty-three. <laughs>
0: Oh, and then you also have one in Second Kings. Oh, well, it's a it's a different phrase. It's like a a deceitful spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's different interpretations of this. Um, the one in Second Kings is interesting because it's it's a it's a picture of like the divine. They call it the divine council, where like mm-hmm. God is there, a bunch of angels are there, and they're all deciding what to do. Should we read it? Let's do it. Okay. Yeah, 1 Kings 22, we'll start in 19. This is a prophet, uh, Micaiah, I think he's a prophet, um, says, this is, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and the whole heavenly host, that's like council, like a bunch of, typically heavenly host refers to like angels. Mm -hmm. They were standing by him at his right hand and at his left hand. And the Lord said, who will entice Ahab to march up? and fall at remote Gilead. Uh, Ahab's like a wicked king that God wants Mm -hmm. to take out. So one was saying this and another was saying that, like the angels are kind of like talking to each other, like, what do you think? You know, they're, they're discussing what to do. And then a spirit came forward, stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. And the Lord said, how? And he said, the angel, the spirit." I will go and become a lying spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets. Here's another, I'm this relates to your other question, lying. a lying spirit. <laughs> and then he said, God says you will certainly entice him and prevail. Go and do that. See, so you see the Lord has put a lying spirit into the mouth of all these prophets of yours. And the Lord has pronounced disaster against you. I mean, mm-hmm. this, I mean, it, I'm, a, I'm just a big fan of beginning with what the Bible says. And if mm-hmm. it creates kind of tension in our worldview, then so be it. Like, yeah. <laughs> rather than say, well, I can't actually mean that. Well, I don't know. I just said. <laughs> yeah. Spirit came forward. So I'm going to be a mm-hmm. Some people say, well, this must have been like a demon and an evil angel or something. Mm-hmm. And, um, But then what? What? they're just all hanging out together in the
1: heavenly living room <laughs> yeah. together. Like
0: That's a weird picture, you know? Yeah. So I think that, yeah, this is God allowing the spirit to go to a false prophet and give them a line like enticing them to lie so that Ahab would be end up being taken out mm-hmm. um so the other passages you read I believe the phrase is evil spirit
1: mine says harmful
0: spirit harmful spirit okay it's the the Hebrew word can mean harmful could mean evil can mean destruction um I think the best way to understand that those verses is a it's a spirit that causes destruction, not a spirit that does morally evil things. Okay. Do you see this distinction? Um, Mm -hmm. Like the, and and the the Hebrew word is like, it means many different things depending on the context. Mm -hmm. I forgot the actual Hebrew word, but like there's a verse in Amos, Amos three, six, I think that says, if evil, same word falls upon a city, has not the Lord done that. Like the Lord is responsible for that. But it's talking about like, if a city is destroyed, God is sort of sovereign over that. It's not talking about the Lord being the cause of mm-hmm. somebody doing moral evil, coming into adultery, rape, or whatever. It's just mm-hmm. talking about the the disaster that kind of falls upon the city. So I think in those passages, it's talking about a, a good angel or a good spirit that is causing harm to happen as a form of judgment. Like, you could think of like Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, were horribly wicked. God gave them time to repent. finally, God destroyed the cities. I think I mean, the, the, the spirit causing destruction doesn't describe Sodom and Gomorrah, but I, I feel like that's a situation where it very well could have been. Like a mm-hmm. spirit could have been the responsible for causing that destruction on Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay. So God used a spirit in the case of First Samuel sixteen to cause the downfall of Saul as a form of judgment because Saul was a wicked king.
1: Mm-hmm. So, so do he does about? have like power like, or he does like have control over evil spirits?
0: Again, I think the spirit itself is a good spirit oh, oh, oh. doing, causing destruction to happen as a form of judgment.
1: And do we think because of that verse?
0: Uh, all those verses. Well, the Hebrew phrase when it says "evil spirit, spirit of destruction," like it, it, oh, it could be described. It could be describing the how do I say it? The um, it could be describing the actual spirit or what the spirit does. So it could oh, be yeah, a good yeah, yeah. spirit causing destruction, or it could be a, an evil spirit. It, the The phrase could go either way, and I'm saying it makes best sense for it to be a good spirit that is causing. Destruction as a form of God's judgment. Oh,
1: okay. Does that, that make sense? sense. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. hmm Yeah. Because, yeah, in all these verses, I was like... Yeah. Well, in, in verse 23, or it's um, Robert. 1 Samuel 16, 23. Okay. It said, and whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David yeah. would, would play the harp, then Saul would feel better, and the tormenting spirit would go away. What is mm-hmm. that? Like... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> is, that, is it like they go away with music?
0: Or? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think uh, this seems to be kind of almost like a, some kind of psychological oppression. Like, Jesse did, whenever the spirit from God troubled Saul, David would pick up his lyre and play, and Saul would then be relieved, feel better, and the evil spirit would leave. Yeah. It's almost like a psychological tormenting. Like, he just mm-hmm. like is oppressed with like tons of anxiety or just we don't really know exactly, but I mean, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I guess in this case the music might feel better just yeah. like it would if we were experiencing some kind of like depression or a headache or mm-hmm. hyper anxiety, there might be some things we can do to soothe that, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I never really thought about that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And wait, why did God send like, there's, I think there's, there's three times when it's, when it like mentions like,
0: where'd you find all this too? I mean, I, <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Bible,
0: I know, but are you looking up like, how do you know there was four references to the evil spirit? Well, because my
1: Bible has. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, like why there was yeah there's well there's three references when when it says God sent it to Saul. Why did God send so many tormenting spirits to Saul?
0: Uh, Saul is a really really wicked king, um, and so God is. It's one way in which God, like, began to tear down Saul, like like. Mm-hmm bring his downfall, you know. So it's again it's kind of like a I would say a form of judgment, a form of God working out his plan to get rid of Saul, you know. All right. Sounds a little harsh, but I mean it's yeah. you see that all throughout scripture, God doing various things to take down evil rulers or, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? All right.
0: I don't know if I'd recommend coffee with chips and salsa. But.
1: <laughs> I don't think I'd recommend chips and salsa in the morning.
0: <laughs> oh, I would. <laughs>
1: no,
0: these are the best chips. Are these uh, Juanitas? Oh my gosh! Yes, so good. All right, we got some paste salsa.
1: Some paste.
0: Remember that <laughs> restaurant we went to? They
1: <laughs> just dubbed paste. In that was one. the
0: worst. <laughs> <laughs> they wasn't always like that. Homemade salsa, dubs paste. Them yeah, <laughs> we get chips and salsa, and like re- easily, you could tell that it was just paste picante poured in a bowl. Yeah. It was terrible.
1: Nope, it was horrible. Never going back there. <laughs> Okay, I maybe you'll know the verse that says God won't give us temptations we can't like overcome.
0: Uh first Corinthians um ten thirteen.
1: Oh yeah, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience and God is faithful. He will not allow the, the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way so you can mm-hmm. so that you can endure. But like it isn't us giving into temptations and, not, not being able to like get through it. Like, like, like,
0: I think what it's saying is, yeah, here, I hear what you're saying. I I think, I mean, obviously we, there's temptations and we give in and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think there's, we can never say like, well, it was impossible for me to not give into the temptation. Like God's saying, there's always a way to get, to overcome the temptation, like yeah. a way of escape. Like there, we're never in a sort of moral cul sac or like, you know, like a, a dead end where it's like, there's no possible way to not sin here. It's,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I think what it's saying. All right. Yeah. Sometimes it feels like <laughs> the temptation is way yeah. too strong, right?
1: Um Do you believe that if a Christian commits suicide, but still loves God, do they go to heaven? Yes.
0: Do? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, I mean, so suicide would be, What's wrong with suicide? It's you're killing a human life. Mm-hmm. Um, even if so it's your own life, it's still murdered, a human life. Yeah. 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 You're murdering yourself, basically. It's a sin, right? But if somebody commits a sin, that doesn't mean all of a sudden you're like excluded yeah. from the kingdom. So, yeah, there's no, there's nothing in the Bible that says that there's certain. I mean, the only time the Bible ever talks about a kind of sin that can be un, not forgiven is the unforgivable sin that Jesus says, you know, God will forgive all sins, but not the. What is it? Blaspheming the Holy Spirit, which mm. that's a whole other thing. But um, there's nothing in the Bible that says that, you know, if you as long as you're walking to the Lord, you're faithful, you believe in Jesus and everything else. And you do this one thing at the end. Now you're you're out like that's that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And, and suicide also. I mean, goodness. I mean, OK, so we technically called it murder, but I mean, it's category. It, it, even if it even if it is in that. Yeah, taking the human life would be murder. But, I mean, think about the profound, like, um, situation that somebody would have to be in to actually go to that point. Like, I think God would have a lot of sympathy for the situation and be mm-hmm. grieved that the person took their life. But, I mean, it's, I think it'd be different than just going out and murdering somebody. Yeah. Like, like the whole situation is radically different, you
1: know? Yeah. Okay, Psalms, tw- Psalms 45, forty five eleven says... For your royal husband delights in, in your beauty honor him for he is your lord.
0: Talking about a king, not just any husband. But.
1: For your royal husband.
0: Yeah, it's talking about the king's marriage, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So, wait, Go. What's your? I think I know what you're going.
1: I mean, it's with. just yeah. like kind of always related to our how's our husband, our lord.
0: Yeah. It's, so I mean, it's talking about a king. It's specifically a king. So I mean, in a sense, but still, yeah. I'm not, I mean, I'm not totally not familiar. I mean, I, I'm vaguely aware of this psalm, but I haven't studied it forever mm-hmm. or or ever, actually. I don't know if I ever actually studied this psalm. Okay. Um, you know, you don't have to call your husband your Lord. Okay. Okay. How's yeah. <laughs> that? No, no. If that's what you're worried about. <laughs> Let's do one more. You okay. got one more. We got time for one more. Let me go look.
1: Okay. Um, Philippians 1 15.
0: About the people preaching Christ falsely or whatever?
1: It says it's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. What does it mean to preach the Lord out of jealousy and ra- rivalry?
0: Mine says envy and strife. Um mm-hmm. what like
1: what does it mean to like what does that look like?
0: Hmm. I never thought about like specifically what kinds of preachers these are. Um Like what would be an example of somebody doing that? What would
1: that look like? Mine mine says
0: envy and strife. You says jealousy and rivalry.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, envy and jealousy are kind of the same thing. Mm -hmm. Rivalry, strife, envy. You do have like, Paul seemed to be dealing in several of his letters with like people who were calling themselves apostles or super apostles. People that were kind of like using Christianity as a way to like gain money or get power over people. And so um, I would say it's probably in that kind of category. Um, I could think of today, I mean, certain maybe branches of certain churches that might, like the the leader of the church might be just building a platform off of being envious of somebody else that is as a bigger, more powerful church or whatever. And they're kind of driven out of jealousy to want to, you know, like their whole ministry is to really build some platform for themselves, you know, Mm. or it could be like super combative. Like they're just like really against all other branches of Christianity and they're trying Mm -hmm. to build their own little kingdom, something like that. I don't know if that's exactly what's going on here, but yeah, yeah, it could be something like that. Yeah. Is that it?
1: Yep. I have one more. Okay. What is your position or your view or opinion on predestination?
0: Oh gosh. Um, Well, I mean, there's lots of different perspectives on that. So like, like does God, or yeah, expand on the question.
1: (laughs) Well, like, yeah, I do think God predestines.
0: So yes, God predestines because, I mean, the Bible says that several passages that God has preordained, you know, in, in, in love, this is Ephesians 1, 4 and 5, in love, he predestined us to be adopted through Jesus Christ for himself. Mm. The question is kind of like, how does God predestined event? How has it worked out? Is mm. it, you know, one view would see, you know, well, God, because he's all knowing, we kind of know ahead of time who's going to choose to follow Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then God's like, okay, I am predestining that person to be, to be adopted through Jesus Christ mm. because he knows they're going to choose him. Other people say, no, the only reason why they chose him is because they were predestined. So when you talk about like predestination, clearly the Bible uses that language to describe certain events in the world, you know, um, the salvation of believers. But it's like, it's the question is what is the cause and what is the result? Yeah. Is it God's predestining power is the cause of our belief or is it our belief that's the cause of God's predestining power?
1: Yep. <laughs>
0: yep. Um, and some people say it's just a mystery. It's kind of like mm-hmm. it's both somehow and we don't really know how it works out. And there's all kinds yeah. of other views even even within that. So honestly, so I, um, back way back when I was really wrestling with this question, I sort of landed more on the side of God we believe because God predestined us, like God's predestination is the cause of our belief. But I haven't looked at it in years. I guess that's where I would kind of like very, very, with an open hand land, Mm -hmm. but I would not defend that view because I just, I would need to go back and really study it again. I mean, (laughs) a lot's changed in my (laughs) theological journey in the last (laughs) 15 years. That should be your next book. Uh, It's not really it. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, I, would, I, I do think there's probably going to be a lot more mystery in that question than I used to think. That, that, I, that's where I would say I would probably say pretty strongly. Like I think there's a lot going on yeah. with that that we're just not going to understand super clearly. So what do you think? What's your view?
1: Oh, I don't have a view. That's <laughs> why I was asking you.
0: <laughs> All right. Is yeah. that it? All right. You want to say right. anything to the audience before we go out? Um, nope. <laughs> nope. No final words?
1: Thanks for watching the vlog.
0: It's not a blog. <laughs>
1: Please comment below.
0: There's no way to comment. <laughs> yeah, oh, it is comment. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, yes. YouTube version, the YouTube also version. subscribe. Subscribe. Smash that like button. Smash
1: that like button.
0: <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening to Theology in This has been uh, Josie and her dad. It's been real in the basement eating <laughs> chips and salsa it's and coffee real. with our dog. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Over <laughs> and out. Bye. Bye. <laughs>